Good morning, Mavuno. Good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. Hey, we're working out. You caught me working out. This month, our series is Like a Champion. My name is Pastor M, or you can call me Coach M. And we're just talking about mindsets, the things that make champions. And oh my gosh, what a month it's been, what a month it's going to be. Uh, this is actually day 14, one last week of our 21-day fast. And you're still here, you're hanging in there with me. Those of you, by the way, who haven't done a fast until now, you still have a chance to do this last week with us. Join us for the last stretch as we trust God for ourselves and our families. And I've been so excited to hear the testimonies uh, that many of you have shared as we've gone through this fast. You have testimonies of deliverance, testimonies of God does, has done in your life, in the life of those around you. I want to just challenge you now. Do me a favor. Send them in. Uh, just put them online, put them on our, on our timeline right now, if you're watching online. Uh, hashtag 4521, hashtag 4521. And we would love, would love to share. I'm actually going to share and read uh, as many testimonies as I can uh, during the summons uh, this month. And so I would love for that. So send them hashtag 4521 and let's just talk together. We're going through this series. We've talked about the fact that there are five mindsets that you must have as a champion. If you want to see deliverance, victory in every single space, in your family, in your own life. Uh, and we talked about the fact that we must train like champions. This is what our fasting is about. We must train like champions. We must be passionate like champions because this thing only comes if you want it. How badly do you want to see the deliverance? And today we want to talk about responsible like a champion. And as I start, Maybe you can allow me to start with a question. Allow me to ask you a question. What if you are riding a lift and you bumped into the richest man in the world? I think right now that's Elon Musk. And his net worth is $188 billion. And you saw him and you recognized him. And you're like, oh my gosh, $188 billion is a lot of money. Let me put it in context. That's like the economy of Kenya, uh, Uganda, Tanzania, uh, Rwanda, Burundi, and South Sudan thrown together. This man has more money than those five, uh, six East African countries. And he's there, and you're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, who's this guy? And then he looks at you, and he's like, you know what? I've just been thinking, the first guy I meet today, I'm going to ask them whatever they want me to do for them, and that's you. So what would you like me to do for you? Anything, you name it. What would you ask him for? So just like he's serious, uh, you want to ask a, re a request, this guy looks like he really wants to do it. What would you ask him for? I want you to just share that with the person you're with, and you've got five seconds, so you can't think too long about this. What's the one thing you would ask for? Just shout it out if you're in a room together. If you're watching this online, you can put on the timeline. What would you ask for if the richest person in the world asked you, what can I do for you? Now, I'm going to come back to this because I think this is such an important question for us to be asking ourselves today. But I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 to 13. And we want to read an amazing healing miracle of Jesus. We're looking at healing miracles this, this whole month. And we're going to be looking at one of those interesting ones that I just think is such a powerful miracle for us. I'm really excited about today's message. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 to 13. And let me just begin by reading uh, verse 5. It says, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed suffering terribly. 
So here's what I want you to imagine. It's Jesus. He's walking with his boys, his disciples. He's coming out from the greatest sermon he's ever preached. Uh, he's just coming out from what we call as a sermon on the mount. Uh, he's just delivered that powerful sermon. And then on the way, he meets a guy who's uh, 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 paralyzed. Uh, sorry, a guy who has leprosy. And then he heals the leper. And then now he walking, he's walking into Capernaum. Capernaum is his hometown. Now we know Nazareth as his hometown, but Nazareth is actually the town he grew up in. And then the Bible tells us, Matthew chapter 4, verse 13, when he began ministry, he relocated. He actually moved his belongings, went to the town of Capernaum. That's where, that's now as an adult, Jesus adulted in Capernaum. And so that's his, his crib. That's where he's taking his boys. He's, they've just done this great ministry experience. They're going home. And then they meet this guy who is a centurion. Who's a centurion? A centurion was a Roman soldier who commanded a hundred soldiers. Uh, so he was an officer, commanded a hundred soldiers. That's why the word century, a hundred years, centurion, a hundred soldiers. And a century was a basic fighting unit of the Roman army. So you can picture this. The Romans would organize their armies in centuries and they would stand in squares and they'd have a hundred people in a century led by a centurion. And then six of these centuries would form what you call a cohort. And they would have a cohort commander in charge of those. And then 10 of those would form a legion. You've heard the word legion. And that would be about 6,000 soldiers. So the century was the basic fighting unit of the Roman army. The guy who commanded this unit would have to be tough. He'd have to be a soldier who came up through the ranks, uh, who gained the respect of his peers. He was uh, charged with enforcing discipline among the soldiers. But he was probably also responsible for... Uh, with the troops to ensure that the peace was over that place. Capernaum was a very important trade route for the Romans. And so this man was actually in charge of making sure that peace prevailed in this place that was so in, uh, of, of such great interest to the Romans. Now, this man was also a man of means. How do we know this? Because the book of Luke, which tells us the same story, tells us that the Jewish leaders respected this man. In fact, they say to Jesus, this man even built a synagogue for us. So I put it to you, by the time you're building a synagogue for, for a people, you must have some resources at your disposal. So this man was an important official, but also in addition to that, he also had means at his disposal. And that's why it's such a, an interesting thing when he asked Jesus for help. He comes and asks Jesus for help. This guy could have commanded Jesus and just told him, you know, send people to call Jesus and say, I'm summoning him because I'm in charge. He's a colonizer. He has the power. But he doesn't do that. He asks him. And he says, Lord, that's the same word he'd have used to address his official, uh, his, his superior officers. Lord, I need your help. And then he tells him his servant is ill. His servant is gravely ill. He's paralyzed. He's suffering greatly. And verse 7, Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? Now, Jesus almost seems to have this knack of asking obvious questions. Because of course, what does the centurion want? Why has he come to Jesus? He wants his servant to be healed, right? He's even told Jesus, my servant is sick. Jesus says, shall I come and heal him? And, and you know, I, I think we need to look a little deeper here. It's not, a, it's not such an obvious question. I think what Jesus is really asking is exactly what do you want me to do? You've told me your servant is ill, but what do you want me to do? You see, many times I think we come to God with very bland things. We actually just complain to God. Lord, I lost my job. Lord, look, my marriage is not working. Lord, I'm not feeling well. Lord, Lord, we don't have food. But I suspect what Jesus is asking is, so what do you want me to do? Be specific. What are you asking for? And I want to challenge you as you're in this uh, space where you're asking God. Many of you have written your prayer requests 
and you're asking God for, for things. You're telling God, oh my goodness, Lord, this is what's going on. What are you asking God for? What are the specific things that you've listed down that you're asking God to help you with in this fast? What are the things that you're telling God, look, Lord, uh, here's what's going on here. Would you not do this thing? God wants us to be specific in our prayers. Somebody needs to be specific in your prayers. As you're trusting God, don't just walk around mouthing complaints. Be specific. What are you asking the Lord of heaven to do for you? The centurion made his request. And he replied, Lord, I don't deserve to have, any, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. And then he says in verse 9, For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go. And he goes. And that one, come. And he comes. And I said to my servant, do this. And he does it. And then listen, watch what Jesus does, because Jesus says something remarkable after that. Verse 10, when Jesus had this, he was amazed. And he said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. And I say to you, that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside in the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, I am amazed that Jesus was amazed. I don't know if you're amazed that Jesus was amazed. What would it take to amaze the person who was there at the beginning with God. What would it take to amaze the one who made the heavens and the earth? There are only two times in scripture that we are told that Jesus was amazed. The first time was in his hometown, Nazareth, when the people had such lack of faith that the Bible says Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. Mark chapter 6 verse 6. But this is the second time. And it's also about faith. But this time, he's not amazed by lack of faith. He's amazed by this man's faith. What is it about this man's faith that was so amazing? What is it about this man's faith that was so winning that Jesus was amazed by it? I noticed two things about it. Number one, he understood authority. This man understood authority. You know, the interesting thing about this centurion, he had an unquestioning faith in the power of God to heal. You know, I've never been in the military, but I was privileged in my younger days, to go through what we call NYS or National Youth Service in this country. It was a mandatory uh, requirement before you went into college that you had to go into the National Youth Service. And it, it wasn't the military. I don't want to com uh, compare it with because the military is tough. But it was close enough that I got to understand a very important thing, something I call the chain of command. You know, the thing about NYS is if your sergeant, who was the, 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 the officer in charge of your barracks, if your sergeant made a command, you didn't ask any question. You didn't ask about what, you, you didn't think about what that thing he was asking you to do. You just did it. You didn't do it because of his age. You didn't do it because of his strength. You didn't do it because of how educated he was. You didn't even do it because of how reasonable his request was. When those guys say jump, you jumped. If you're asking how high you ask when you're up in the air. I mean, this is, it was just unquestioning chain of command. And the interesting thing is the sergeant himself had superiors. He himself had superior officers. And when they walked into the room, he stood up and saluted. And if they say jump, he too would jump. And this thing went up the chain of command all the way to the commander-in-chief of the armed forces, who was the president of the country. And that's how the military runs. It's 
It only serves, it only works if there is obedience, if there is quick obedience, an immediate obedience, and there's authority and a chain of command. In the military, there's no such thing as disobedience. There's only treason. And so in that space, it's like the first thing you do is when you ask the question is, you do it. This man was in the military, and he understood that. You see, as an officer, there were hundreds of thousands of soldiers across the Roman Empire who were not sergeants like him, who were not centurions like him. And when he made a command in any one of those spaces, they would respect his rank. They would do it because they understood his authority. And for him, there were, th there were thousands of officers above him in rank. And if they made a command to him, he would also immediately obey because he understood the place of authority. He understood that the authority of that person was not in that person. It was in the power they represented. This is what this man understood. And he, looking at Jesus, he immediately got it. Something that the rest of the Jews would not get, this Roman, this outsider understood instinctively. He saw a superior, a superior power to his. He saw a spiritual authority. He understood, like, look, you don't even have to come to my house, Jesus. <laughs> the authority you have is so much, just say the word. It doesn't matter what's oppressing my servant. No power, no force, no spiritual power over my servant can hold him back. If you say the word, it has to obey. And this is what the man is saying to Jesus. And so I want to ask you a question before I move on. Do you have an unquestioning understanding, a faith that God has the power of ev over every situation in your life? Do you really believe that right now? Do you truly believe there's no power in heaven or on earth that can stand against the Jesus who is in you and who is working for you in this season? Do you know that your past that does not determine your future is not over until God says it's over? Do you understand that fear has no place in your life because the authority that you are standing on is not because of you, but it's because of the power you represent, the power of the Most High God who is in you and who is for you. This is a kind of faith. This is a kind of faith, my brothers and sisters, that I'm praying for every single one of us in this month as we work to be like champions. The second winning thing about this man's faith is that he lifted another. He lifted another. Now, if you remember my question earlier, I asked you about this man, reaching, meeting the richest man in the world, and he asked you a question. What do you want me to do for you? I want you to tell me, what, what did you answer? What did you think about? What needs did you think that he could meet? You know, it's interesting because most of us with such an opportunity would immediately think of a solution for ourselves. I'm, I'm no different. I mean, I'd be looking at him and thinking, $180 billion, that's a lot of zeros. I mean, if you just gave me like, I don't even want a million. I mean, that's too much. Just give me like, like 100,000, you know, like just a few, you won't even notice it. And my goodness, it's going to change my... I mean, many of us will be thinking about things that would take us far ahead because you have this great opportunity for yourself. But the crazy thing about the centurion, he meets the supreme power of the universe. He meets the source of all authority. He recognizes the source of authority. He has an opportunity to ask for anything for himself. Jesus tells him, what can I do? He has the opportunity to ask anything. He could have asked for a promotion. He could have asked for good health. He could have asked for riches. He could have asked for a great marriage. He could have asked for anything. But what does he ask for? He asks for the health of his servant. Now you need to understand, this man probably had many servants. A servant to him would be disposable. He could get another servant. There could be other people. This man is not even related to him. He has one chance to speak to the power of the universe to ask for anything. 
and he asks for the health of this one person. He lifts up another with his opportunity. And Jesus is impressed. Now, that's the kind of faith that impresses our Lord. Our Lord loves it when we stand in the gap for others. Our Lord has no hesitation of granting our prayers on behalf of others. And that's why we read in verse 13, Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done as you believed it would. And that very moment, the Bible tells us the servant was healed, boom, right that moment. You know, right now, I must say, there are people who've heard about a 21-day liquid fast. And they say to me, Pastor, you're crazy. <laughs> I mean, are you mad? Why would, I, why would I do this to myself? There are people who've heard that you were fasting and they said, my goodness, are you crazy? People have called me and said, Pastor, are you trying to ask us to die here? Or we could die. But you know, here's what I want to say. First of all, I want to say you wouldn't die. <laughs> you're still here. We're not going to die. But the, the real answer to that question is how desperate are you? How desperate are you? I truly believe that the point in this story that God really wants us to get is how desperate are you for the needs around you? God loves it when we intercede for others. We are blessed to be a blessing. So my question is, who are you willing to fast for? Who are you willing to be inconvenienced for? Who are you trusting God for in your family, in your office, among your friends? What oppression will be lifted around you in the lives of others this year? Because you have chosen to stand in the gap for the faith of those around you, for the lives of those around you. If not you, then who? You know many times you're walking around saying somebody else will do it. That's not my problem. But if not you, then who? And I love the words of God to Ezekiel. In Ezekiel chapter 22 verse 30, he says, I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand in the gap on behalf of the land so that I would not have to destroy it, but I found none. It's like God is saying to his prophet, look, I looked around the whole of Israel. I was looking for just one person willing to pray for this country so I don't destroy it, willing to sacrifice, willing to give himself, willing to intercede. And he said there was not a single person in the whole country who was willing to pray for this country. Could it be that God is looking for you to stand in the gap for your family? Maybe God is walking around right now looking for one person who's willing to stand in the gap on behalf of your family that it would not be destroyed and he's finding none. Could it be that the reason there are people struggling around you, that people are dying, people are struggling, people are, are, are being limited, people are not achieving their full destiny in your families because not one single person has chosen to be the one who will be inconvenienced for the sake of others. Could it be that someone is looking for people to stand up on behalf of our nation? And could it be that the reason this nation is in, is in such serious trouble is because nobody, we'd rather talk about our leaders and take sides and accuse and point fingers and nobody's willing to lift up the leaders, lift up our president, lift up our cabinet, lift up the people who God has put in authority over us, that God will not destroy us. If not you, then who? You see, in every sport, there are champions. And the champions are the ones who take responsibility for the team. When everybody is struggling, when everybody else has given up, when everybody else is ready to go home, the champion is the one who takes the ball and pushes it up the field, is the one who says, I will not give up, is the one who says, no, it's not over until it's over. If not you, then who? You know, one of the tools I learned a little while back, actually, I learned this several years ago, and I've used it for many years now, is a weekly prayer calendar, a weekly prayer calendar. And the way it works is that I create, and I'm going to put it on the screen right now, 
The way it works is that I create this little column and a little table. And the column is all the days of the week. And the rows are the things I'm going to pray for on each single day. And I make sure that I'm praying for others every day. Row one is my nuclear family. I list Carol, my wife, my children, my parents, and they fill up that row one. And then row two, I put my extended family. I pray for my brother and my sister and, and my, my sister-in-laws, uh, their family. And, 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 and I just fill that whole space. Every week I'm praying, every day of the week I'm praying for a different extended family member. Then row three is what I call ministry. And I actually have got three rows under this row three because for me I pray uh, not just for uh, the first row, I pray for all the hub churches in Mavuno, uh, the main churches that support other churches, we call them our network leaders. And I pray for their pastor, I pray for his family, I pray for that church to become a great influence. The next row, I pray for the, the churches within that network. I pray for their pastors by name every week. And I pray that God would bless them and help them to prosper. And I pray uh, for, for each of those different spaces. I pray for each of our strategic goals as a church. Every day of the week, I have a different one that is in my calendar. And then the next row is for the nation. And I pray for a different aspect of our nation. I pray for our national leaders. I pray for our judiciary. I pray for, for, for the different issues that are gripping our nation, uh, a disunity and tribalism. I pray against that. I pray for prosperity and peace for our nation. Every day I have a different focus. And then finally at the end, I pray for myself. And I pray for myself in different areas, spiritual, intellectual, social, physical, etc. And I've put, the reason that, that calendar has been on the whole, t on the whole time I've been speaking is because I want to challenge you now that you would also create your own calendar. I came to a conclusion a long time ago. If not me, then who? So I want to challenge you. Would you not also create your calendar for this year? Your intercession plan. You have a lot to pray for. There are people around you who are dying. There are office colleagues that you need to be praying for by name and lifting up. There are national leaders you need to be praying for. I want to challenge you to make your own prayer calendar. I want to challenge you to take responsibility over others. Be the champion who takes responsibility over your friends, over your family members. I want you to understand, some of you have even been labeled in the family. You're the least in your family. You're the last one in your family. Some of you are, 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 are the dark sheep. You've been called the dark sheep of your family. It doesn't matter. I want you to understand that the authority you're standing on on behalf of your family is not your own. If you understand authority, you're standing on the authority of heaven itself and representing heaven to your family. Remember, God is no respecter of persons. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 to 20, it tells us that the same power that God used to raise Christ from the dead is the same power He has assigned to you that He's going to use for you as you stand up for others. It's available. Leverage this power. I want to challenge you to, to, to break the yoke in your family. By the way, this year I see generational curses breaking in many of our families. I see sicknesses that have plagued our families for years. Some of your families have sicknesses that have become the family sickness. Oh, our family, we have high blood pressure. It's just a thing. We have arthritis. I believe that God is going to break the yoke in many of our families. I see that many things that have become normal, non-achievement, women getting babies out of wedlock, men not achieving their destiny. Some of you see those patterns in your family. I believe this is a year of breakage of many of those generational curses, of many of those strongholds. But it's going to begin with one person who's willing to intercede, to stand in the gap, to take responsibility, to leverage the power of heaven 
on behalf of those around them. If not you, then who? Now I want to conclude and say that next week, we're going to be talking about the fourth mindset of a champion. And before I conclude, I just want to ask you to do me a favor again. Please share with us answered prayers. Any answered prayers that God has brought to you this January. As you've been trusting God, as we've been uh, leaning into our faith and fasting, uh, share, share them with us. Use the hashtag, hashtag Fortify21. And if you could just share them with us, I would love uh, the last week of this month, we're going to actually just spend some time uh, sharing testimonies about what the Lord has done. I want to just glorify God with our testimonies. And I want to just pray right now. But as we come to prayer, I want you to agree with me with the words of this song. Uh, Joy, it's a great song. I want you to just lead us in these words. Let's trust God together. Love like you love 
that Lord you would just fill our hearts right now with love the way of the world is to love ourselves the way of the world is to lift ourselves up the way of us of, of, of us of the world is to inconvenience ourselves for ourselves only but father God I just want to thank you for the centurion who stands out for us as an example of faith that amazes God as an example of a man who would love in a dramatic way love the way God loves him and I pray that, Lord, every single one of us, this is what's going to happen for us as we enter this week of prayer, as we enter this space where we're praying for our families, where we're praying for others around us. I pray that, Lord, you would give us love the way you loved us. I pray, Lord, for breakthrough in our family. I pray that, Lord, everybody related to us will be privileged this year because they are relative. Because, Lord, we're going to pray for them in such a powerful way. They're going to see the breakthroughs that they had coming to them. And all the glory and honor will come to you, Lord. And so I just pray for us now. I pray that, Lord, we will witness miracles with our eyes as we trust you on behalf of another. And so, God's people, I want to bless you as you go out into this week. Let's go out and love the way God has loved us. Let's go out because if not us, then who? I just ask you in your times of prayer, just focus them outwards. Come, pray for people the same way you pray for yourself, with passion, with energy. And let's believe God this year for deliverance, for our families, for our nation, because we were there. So God bless you. Can't wait to see you next week. Have a fantastic and grace-filled week.